Welcome back to Minnesota West series of podcasts. Mike and I have got a colleague, Zach Rada, a guest with us today. Zach is a farm management instructor out of the Litchfield area, but he has a, a much broader spread than, than Litchfield. Zach, how far do you reach with your student base? Thanks, Jeremy. Mike, I appreciate this opportunity. Welcome everybody listening. I, I normally work out of the Wilmer and Olivia area, and it's kind of generally speaking, it's safe to say you can draw a circle around 30 miles around Wilmer, especially, and that's where you're going to catch a, a vast majority of the families that I work with. I do work with some outside of that circle, some of them that are further north, some specialty kinds of things, but generally speaking, most of the families I work with are going to be within that circle. And today we've got a very current and relevant topic. I think with the high commodity prices and success agriculturalists are having producing row crops, landlords are looking at how to increase their share of that revenue. So Zach, we'll call him a resident expert on flexible leases and land rent agreements. And so as we talked earlier uh, with Zach and and identified this topic, he kind of said that there's a couple of them that he wanted to discuss that he sees working really well for both the tenant and the landlord, and that he's got experience with. Zach, why don't you start us out with uh, the overview and, and jump right mm-hmm. in? Thanks, Jeremy. And I, I do. I, I like talking about these. I have one of these myself. And so I, and I found some families that I work with have had some success in negotiating them. And we'll kind of talk about some of that as we get into it. The first basic one that I want to talk about is a flex agreement that's based on a tier system. And so it's essentially, if you look at price and or yield, what I like is that, so you pay a base rent and let's just say any, maybe let's talk about some overall parameters of a flex lease. I usually, I generally feel if you're going to do a flexible lease, your base rent needs to start a little lower than average because you need to have someplace to work up to. And so I generally like to see a flex lease start with a lower rent. To give you some numbers, let's say cash rent is generally speaking going for $250 an acre this year. I would say a good place to start a flex lease is probably at $225. If you really want to go lower, $220. We're going to get into this a little bit more because you could set a higher base price and some lower percentages. And we'll get into that. But with each of these, you're going to need to set some kind of a base rent, generally speaking, a little lower than what the average is. So in this first one is a tier-based system where I generally like to use yield and price both. So you're paying $200 an acre. And if yield is greater than a certain number and price is greater than a certain number, you pay an extra amount of rent. And so let's say I'm paying $225 an acre rent. And if yield is greater than 190 bushel and price is over uh, $450 cash, then I'm going to pay an extra $20 an acre. And then you could do another tier. If yield is over the 200 uh, bushel to the acre and price is over $5, I'm going to pay another $20 an acre. And you can keep building tiers from there. The next one could be if it's over 210 and it's over 550 bushel. You could keep building tiers from there. And the idea is the higher the, the yield and the higher the price, 
the more rent you pay. But but the thought is, if those are higher, you can afford to pay it, hopefully, um, that there's some profitability there to be able to do that. So uh, that's the first one. And I'm not suggesting that those are the right yields and, and dollar amount to increase by. That's where I come from. If you set a higher base, maybe then instead of average rent in the area is 250 and you set a, a base of 240, maybe those tiers you pay flex rent rather than $20 an acre, you only pay five or $10 an acre. If the landlord is willing to take less, let's say down to $200, maybe that should be $25 or even 30. That if you take less, I'm willing to pay you more, you know, share the risk a little bit, kind of an idea. Um, and I've I like those types of arrangements where you set a little lower base and then the reward can be a little bit higher from there. Zach, on those tiers, mm -hmm. are those tiers only enacted when both price and yield increase or are they independent variables that will trigger that bonus rent? You can do either way. I prefer that they're both yield and price because you can have $6 corn and, and have a drought and have 120 bushel yield and still not really have the income to pay that extra rent. And so I like it when they're both there, both parameters, yield and price. You don't have to though. You can do just yield. You can do just price. I've seen both, but I prefer uh, probably personal bias. I prefer that it would be both of them, yield and price. Zach, do you start with the uh, pH as a starting point or is it usually below that or from a yield perspective? Yeah, I would say that you'd start at that somewhere around whatever an average yield is that you've been getting, APH or something that is representative of the farm. I think that's a good place to start. So you start paying bonus rent at your average yield or a little bit higher. So the idea is if you're below average, you don't have to pay any extra rent because you probably won't have the income to pay it then. Talk a little bit about how you and your students just do price discovery. We're talking price. I'm guessing that's local cash price. Does that happen four yeah. times a year, average across yeah. the year? I've seen them where they do a 12-month average, pick the third Wednesday of every month, January through December. I know of some of them where it's the first Wednesday in March, June, September, and October. And whatever you can to come up, and I would use your local elevator cash price, whatever elevator is closest to this ground that, or wherever it might realistically be hauled to. In the Wilmer area, uh, I wouldn't use the Mankato price because that's up to the farmer to haul it that far. I would use whatever is closest to your local elevator to do that and just average them together. And then it's really... However, you're doing that January through September should be new crop price. October, November, December, if you're using any of those, should be cash price to calculate what it really could be. At some point, though, you have to cut it off, how you calculate that price. And then at some point, you have to decide when that flex rent is due. Generally speaking, your base cash rent is due, let's say, half in the spring, half in the fall, and are all in the spring, however you want to do that. The flex rent, I'm aware of situations where it's December 31st. I'm aware of ones where it's February 28th of the following year to give the farm some time to market that grain. I think as far as when that extra payment is due, you need some time to calculate it. And so it could be at that at the end of the year or a little bit into the following year. The yield, then how do you get to the actual yield? Honestly, the easiest is crop insurance yield. 
that's probably the easiest one from there. It varied based on every single farm. If it's, if you're really comfortable with your combine yield monitor, you can use that. If you're, I know of a situation where they're using grain cart weights that they are, they're comfortable with what the grain cart is kicking out at them. So they're just using that. Whatever route that the owner and tenant are comfortable, it's important to negotiate those ahead of time so that there's no accusation of something going on here that the the farms most people are honest but we want to make sure that they're that's a little bit and that's where the crop insurance is probably the most you can is probably the most fair in that situation there might be a few bushels off here and there but generally speaking it's probably pretty close is it time for the fun farm facts you're right mike it's about carrots today jeremy i'm excited let's hear them 87 percent of a carrot is water First, carrots were used for medicine 5,000 years ago. Carrots can be a different color than orange. They can be purple or black, red, white, or yellow. Carrots are a root vegetable, and the greens have been used at times for aromatics. You can tan faster in the summer if you eat carrots. So that talks about price discovery yield on the tier system. Talk about your flex rents. This one, I... I have some more personal experience with. I like to look at this one as more of a modified one-third, two-third lease. It can be that. And so same things, you set a base rent. Let's say that that base rent is $200. In this scenario, we'll talk about it later, but you're going to want to make sure you set a maximum rent. That rent cannot go over a certain number. As you'll see as we get into this, especially this year, if you have good yields and we keep these prices around, you could, it's going to be easy to see a scenario paying over $500 an acre rent. And it, and I think at, I guess it's my feeling at some point, the farmer's taking all the risk. If there's a ton of reward, they're probably the one that should feel that reward. And so I usually like to say there should be some kind of a good maximum, a higher maximum. Maybe the maximum should be what's kind of the highest rent we've heard of in the area. And so I'm typing in a, I have a spreadsheet made that if, if people would like to have it, we could sure figure out a way to get it in your hands, but I'm going to type in a $200 base rent. I'm going to type in a $350 max rent in here so that if I know of some scenarios towards that, let's just type in $350 as a maximum rent. Okay. From there, you, you do the same thing. You take their average yield kind of like we talked about on the other scenario, however you want to calculate that actual yield, times an actual price, same scenario. If it's, why am I saying Wednesdays? Maybe some advice I would give is maybe avoid Mondays and Fridays. Generally speaking, there's not many reports that are released on Wednesdays. And, and I generally would give the advice, try and avoid the weekends because you might have two days worth of market movement that happen at one. Um, two or three days worth of market movement that happens in one. And so I like to avoid Mondays and Fridays is maybe my personal preference. So as far as what days you pick, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then it's, there's not a ton of science because at some point you're going to have a crop report land on it or something, a supply and demand or something. So I know of one scenario where it's the first Wednesdays. It's another one where it's the third Wednesdays. I, it's kind of up to your preference. Okay, so in this scenario, we're taking the actual yield times the actual price times a percentage factor. And um, one that I'm really familiar with is, is 33%. And so um, just for a hypothetical scenario, let's say you take 200 bushel corn off of it. And let's say we get to the fall and it's worth, I'm going to use a little bit lower numbers. Let's say it's worth $4 a bushel. So you'll take 200 bushels 
times $4 gives you $800 an acre gross revenue. You'll take that $800 an acre gross revenue times 33%, and that's ultimately the rent that you'll pay. So in our case, um, $800 an acre times 33% is $264. You'll take that $264 minus $200 that you've already paid in base rent. You will pay another $64 in flex rent on top of the base. And then that $64 is what can be due December 31st, uh, January, February of the next year, whatever uh, you as the, the farmer or the landowner decide. Um, and you could do this for each crop, each of them, whichever ones in soybeans, if you end up with 55 bushel beans and they're worth $13 and 50 cents, that's $742 worth of income. Take that times 33% gets you to $245.03. That minus 200 means you pay $45.03 in flex rent. Um, can do the same thing for sugar beets if you have them, wheat, even specialty crops, sweet corn and peas, it, it just coming up with what are the right numbers in there. There's some debate on, I. In some scenarios that I know of, there's different numbers. You might, there's a good article from the University of Illinois Farm Doc series um, that discusses this a little bit at length, what percentages maybe to they suggest using between corn and soybeans. Since soybeans are a lower value crop, you might consider putting a higher percentage on the soybeans. If you have 33% on the corn, maybe 40% on the beans is something worth considering. In, in some scenarios, I know they're using a different number between the corn and soybeans. And in some scenarios, they're just, it's 33% or whatever that number is. And that's what they're using. And so that, that's kind of going to be up to, the, to you as the landowner or you as the farmer, the tenant to decide what is the right number there. Why am I suggesting to put a max in there? A max rent, well, if you have a good year and it's 220 bushel corn and it's worth $7, that's $1,500 worth of gross income. $1,500 would mean you pay another $308 flex rent on top of the $200 you've already paid. $1,540, in our case, 220 bushel corn times seven bucks is $1,540 of gross revenue times 33%. Um, gets you to $508.20. Maybe this is a plausible scenario in 2022 that it could actually happen. And at some point, I feel like we need to put some kind of a max rent in there so that it's it doesn't, as a landowner, I understand the argument. You could say that, but you have the income to pay it. You, you're making good money at that point. That might be true, but it's still the farmer's taking all the risk. So I like it that the um, land, uh, that there's a maximum rent on it. From there, you might see, maybe as a, a thought on that, the higher the base rent, the lower the maximum rent and the lower the percentages. Or the other way around, the lower the base rent, the higher the maximum rent and the higher the percentages. Um, if, if you're willing to take less when I can't afford to pay, when I don't have yield or price, uh, if you're willing to take less as a landowner, I'll also pay you more when there is times when yield and prices are good. I'll pay you more of a maximum or I'll pay you a higher percentage. Who drives this conversation? Tenants are taking to landowners or landowners are bringing to tenants? 
generally it's tenants are taking to landowners. I'm not sure. I'm only aware of one situation where the landowner took it to the tenant asking if this was something they would like. Generally, it's the the tenant taking it to the landowner. That's where if, if um, those listening would like, if we can get a spreadsheet in your hands, have one that, that we've made through the college that kind of runs through all these scenarios really quickly. And you can really quickly run scenarios. And I think it's in scenarios where there's good communication between the landowner and the tenant. And it's that we trust each other. We know each other. It's uh, and finding out maybe in a way, find out what makes that landowner tick. What makes them, what are they looking for? They Do they really just want to get a maximum rent? Do they want you to take care of the ground agronomically? Are they concerned? They just want a good family running it to take care of it. What is it? Find out whatever that is. And I'm trying to work that rent from, from there. If they want to get paid a maximum amount, maybe pay them them a higher base rent with the smaller flex rent chances is the right route. If they're thinking, no, I want what's, I really want what's fair for you. Maybe a lower base rent, but a higher reward on maximum um, flex rent is a better scenario. I, I think it, it's generally the tenant goes to the landowner with it and Maybe going with some options is a good idea to, to start the conversation, just so that you're not going in with one saying, here's what we should do. Let's run some scenarios and see what it's maybe not a one conversation and we've got an identified way of handling it. Typically, in your experience with flexible leases, is this a one year lease or do you have a, a long term lease agreement and then the flex rents and percentages are negotiated yearly? No, I generally, I think they're more a multiple year leases, like a three year lease, because it can be, it can change. We don't really have to worry about the farmer doesn't have to worry about, well, what bonus rent do I pay? Well, if you have a flexible land lease, when you as a farmer can, if there's a little bit increase in income, we have a way of calculating, here's your flex rent. And so generally I see them as multiple year leases. And generally speaking, I, I'm aware of some scenarios where they don't change much. Maybe just the base rent and the maximum rent go up once in a while, but they don't change much. Once you get it kind of set and everybody's comfortable with it, there's not a lot to do with it. it it's and they go up the same amount. Base rent goes up $20 an acre. Maximum rent goes up $20 an acre. And we're going to live in this agreement for another three years. Well, so, actually, you have provided us with a plethora of knowledge. What else do you and, have for us? I do have another one that I was talking to Jeremy and Mike about that I I don't necessarily like this one as much, but it is an option, especially in a situation where you really truly trust each other, possibly like a, a family situation. In that one, you set, you basically are kind of identifying what your total expenses are. And let's just say it's on corn again. And let's say your total expenses are $900 an acre. And that in that $900, counts some kind of a base rent. That $900 also counts paying you something, whatever that number is, whatever you identify. And so I know above nine, I know at $900, I have a base rent paid, all of my expenses are paid and I have, I am paid $50 an acre to cover some family living or whatever number that needs to be. From there, you as the as the landowner and the tenant, anything above $900 an acre in gross revenue, we're going to split 50-50. So 
So if I if you're my tenant and I'm your landowner and we say it's $900 an acre base expense and gross revenue comes out to be $1100 an acre, I that's $200 above the 900, I get an extra $100 an acre, you keep the other $100 an acre. And I'm not saying 50/50 is right, it's just a scenario that that can that's just a number maybe it should be one third two third or it, it, whatever scenario it is but it's maybe in a perfect world that is what we all use because when you as as a, as a farmer is making money if the farmer is making money at least everything is paid then they share the profits from there so at least there's no extra rent nothing above and beyond after uh, before they're making money in a year where there's a loss you just pay the base rent and and go forward from there where i struggle with those it needs to be situations where you really trust each other because there's a lot to negotiate in that you're essentially identifying close to what your cost of production is and you got to do the figure out how are we doing yield how are we doing price what's the percentage when should it be paid and so i don't I typically I guess I would say in a lot of ways, I, that one is a lot harder to convince people to do, but it's that's a really fair way to pay rent. Producers have a hard time tracking down their cost of production unless they're working with a farm business management instructor because they're all over the board. There's not a good right. handle on, oh, I paid $200 on fertilizer on corn, or I could pay $400 and, well, wait, why'd you pay more? Why'd you pay less? We were just saying it because we trying to lower our rent. Yeah, and and that exactly, and that's where I struggle with those because it's exactly your your debt, and it's which cost of production number do we use? At nine hundred dollars, you probably have bought all of your fertilizer back in September. If you're buying it now, it's maybe likely that your cost of production is higher than that. We might be staring at a thousand dollars an acre. So which number do we use? And it you may have lower machinery costs. You might have lower seed costs. Or do you just use an average? Here's what the average says it is. When the, say the farm management program gets their data uh, done in uh, by March, maybe that's the number that we use. Um, something around there just to, so that you're not identifying, but then you're not really even knowing what your ultimate rent is going to be until April of the following year. You'd be paying rent now finishing rent now in april 22 for 21 that's getting to be late i I agree with that zach that in order for that to work properly the entire crop has to be sold out and a lot of producers do make some summer sales so it might not even be april it could possibly be june july or august of the following year before your final rent is paid out i and i think that's a good point for any landowners listening i i i would I, what I will say is I'm an absentee landowner. I own some ground with my brother and sister. And, and I would suggest putting flex rent later to allow the farmer some time to market that grain. I, I don't necessarily like situations where that flex rent is now all of a sudden due on November 1st. You could do that. Um, but now that tenant is sort of locked into they probably are going to have to sell some extra grain maybe to pay that rent. And I like the idea of pushing it out to the end of December or even into January, February, just to give them some time. But at some point we got to pay it. You know, I don't like the idea of it. All of a sudden I'm finishing up 2021's rent in June of 22. Otherwise, generally speaking, that's kind of, there's lots of different scenarios out there. Obviously there's share rent, the second one we talked about, that's what I like about that. It's sort of, you can use it as a modified one-third, two-third share rent. Those are kind of, generally speaking, some scenarios out there. If anybody has 
any questions and want some more of the spreadsheet or on some of these other general lease documents, I have no problem if you want to email me. My email address is Zach, Z-A-C-H dot Rada, R-A-D-A at mnwest.edu. Feel free to contact me or contact your local, your farm business management instructor, and we can get you hooked up with these spreadsheets and some of these Word documents if it's, it does illustrate it hopefully fairly well that if you're kind of struggling to understand them, I think it's, I'm a visual learner, so they help me. (laughs) Seeing it somehow on a computer screen or on paper really helps me to uh, understand what this is um, suggesting. Well, thanks, Zach. And I guess in the experience I've had working with producers, students, landlords, if someone's struggling to understand it, they're they're going to push back and be reluctant to change. And so if you don't understand it as a tenant and trying to pitch it to your, your landlord, it's going to be a tough sell. So having an example or examples, plural, of what this can do to your uh, both your operation and your landlord's operation is going to help sell the flexible lease if that's where you want to be in 2023. Yeah. And that's a good point, Jeremy. Being prepared and making sure that you do understand it. And I think coming prepared, having maybe multiple scenarios is not a bad idea. And so being prepared, and that's where I think some spreadsheets are something to kind of identify this as our Word document coming with a a format of it or a fill in the blank. I know that tier-based one, I have a Word document that's basically fill in the blank. That one's fairly simple. But even that sometimes can be kind of complicating. So seeing it on paper or having some scenarios written out, multiple versions of that printed out. So then we can just keep writing on eventually we get to that number. So you're right. Being prepared is, I think that's good advice. I think you did an awesome job today explaining some rents. Well, fun farm facts and uh, stay tuned for our next podcast. And the final fact, carrot seeds can be 2000 in number if, if they're in a teaspoon. That's the fun farm facts for the day. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Zach. Have a great day. If you would like more information about farm business management, we have 19 instructors covering the geography of southwestern Minnesota, west central Minnesota, southeastern South Dakota, and northwestern Iowa, working with about 750 farmers. For more information, you can contact us at area code 507 847 7929 or by email at SUE dot L-O-V-E-L-L at mnwest.edu or follow us on Facebook at Minnesota West Community and Technical College Farm Business Management. We look forward to hearing from you. 